Hello and welcome to the Geekatorium Podcast 16. So, what have I learned this week? I have learned that whilst I have a fantastic setup for recording on the go, I was back in Scotland uh, just the weekend past and I took the opportunity to meet uh, up with Ben Berth, who is a comedian and the uh, co-owner of Monkey Barrel Comedy up in Scotland in Edinburgh and generally just a great guy, someone I've known for years and gotten really well with. So I took the opportunity to, to meet up with him and have a chat and talk about stuff and I learned that I need to remember to charge up my little setup before I go. Because what I've got is I've got this really cool microphone um, uh, and it plugs directly into my iPad and then I can like record stuff and then it's fine. But if I forget to record, it plugs in via the lightning cable. So if I forget to charge up my iPad, the battery will die. So basically, long-winded explanation just to warn you that this podcast kind of abruptly stops as Ben's having a talk, uh, a thought. So apologies to Ben. Uh, but the rest of we we capture everything else. We do. He does get to put something in the geek arc at the end, which is really really cool. Um, and we have a really really great chat. We chatted a lot of stuff. We chatted a lot about Star Trek and a lot about James Bond. Um, but just have a listen and let me know what you think. And of course, like going back to that, let me know what you think. Uh, you do that by either leaving a review on iTunes or on SoundCloud or whatever sort of platform you're listening in on. Or if you want to pop onto the social media, you can find uh, a Facebook page, Geekatorium, or on Twitter, the Ge- at Geekatorium, or at the Geekatorium. Um, and again, just let us know what you think. Hit subscribe, get the latest episodes all the time, visit my website where everything's always live on there and all the links and stuff like that, and let people know what you well, let people know that you're listening to it and of course if you really really want to uh support the podcast you can buy me a coffee if you just go to coffee.com that's ko-fi.com forward slash rick Carranza. you can buy me a coffee and all the money will go back into sort of uh, investing in the podcast and making it better but without further ado this is geekatorium podcast number 16 with ben firth let's go into the podcast um, how are you anyway? Like otherwise, with all the other right. stuff, yeah. I'm tired. I'm You're incredibly t- tired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it seems to be like a common thing amongst people in comedy is that we're always tired. Well, we do the least. You know, we don't yeah. work. We, well, you work. Yeah, you've got like a proper thing going. on. Well, so where am I? Where am I? So I run a comedy club. Yeah, which is on the march towards the festival yeah that's a job um, <laughs> that's, that's like three jobs we uh, I've also got to watch how I say this because we have had our email from Warner Brothers uh, but I'm also down the stairs down oh. the stairs from the comedy club Monkey Barrel Comedy Club we've opened a uh, an escape room yep uh, it's themed for, for, themed uh, for which fans of uh, wizardry and witchcraft ah. <laughs> uh, and and any fictional characters that might sound like Gary Rotter yeah. would uh, would absolutely love. Brilliant. And that's not necessarily been by our design that is themed around Harry Potter, but that's what everyone's gone for. And so right. that's why Warner Brothers yeah, emailed us. Oh, really? Uh, so it's called the Department of Mysteries, which I which I kind of guess. So, so the main architect is my business partner, John. Mm. Uh, he is a Potter fan, uh, and he wanted to do something in the climate of Edinburgh, mm. which because like Edinburgh is you know when was the last book out? When was the last film out? 
uh, what are we talking like eight years ago, nine years well, ago? Well, no, it's like because well, now you got Fantastic Beasts as well. So. Sure, but, so, it was, but we're talking about like that that main yeah, the Boy Harry Wizard Potter stuff, Hogwarts yeah, yeah. kind of universe. It's still huge. Yeah, it's still well, so it is huge. in Edinburgh, yeah, right? yeah, and definitely. it's mostly taken by businessmen looking to make a buck selling licensed products. Absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. or yeah, this is yeah. You go into them walking tours because people come because they want they want to touch. So where where's got it? So. Oxford has got it because mm. a lot of the, like a lot of the old colleges were used as some of Hogwarts, um, Annick Castle in Northumberland yep. has got like a continual stream of Potter because yeah, those yeah, were like yeah. that was the early you've outdoorsy King's ones. Cross down in London. You've yes. got all of that kind of stuff, and it just is an absolute license to print money. Yeah. So John was a bit kind of like, well, I quite like to create something which is a genuine experience for I people think who like love. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that is not covered by the law. Oh. <laughs> So we're going to change it to the Department of Magic, which is uh, which is fine. I guess they've got a point. Department of Mysteries is literally a thing within the Harry Potter universe. Right, fair it's enough. Like a, it's, I don't know. Like but the Department of Magic isn't the Ministry of Magic. There's a Ministry of Magic, yeah. But it's yeah. not Department of Magic. Yes, so that's yes. So it's like Department of Mysteries, like the uh, the Section Thirty One. It is. Of, uh, <laughs> you know, it's all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's, so that's what I do. So we do that, and I manage the social media and wow. like all kinds of like, you know, how do you sell that? Well, it's very easy to sell, but there's going to come a point where it isn't. Um, and what else? And then I still try and maintain being a comic at night, not particularly successfully, not particularly widely. And uh, and then there's you've got hobbies as well, like mm. um, you know, alcohol problems. Alcohol, that's like, yeah, you've yeah, got to keep all Scot- of these. Well, things. that's not really a it's not really a hobby in Scotland, is it? It's kind of a Prerequisite for life. Well, you know, I try to see it as as fun. How how is the um, that's the question I wanted to ask? How is the uh, the minimum pricing of alcohol working out up here? Um, uh, I think it's fine. So it yeah. doesn't apply in pubs. It doesn't. Right. Apply. It's, it's a supermarket. It's, it's just supermarket. It's just supermarket. So nothing's okay. nothing's changed for pubs. Oh, okay. And pubs right. in Edinburgh. I mean, you're already paying <laughs> a billion pounds for a pint of lager anyway. So and then you come to the Edinburgh Fringe, and it's a billion and two pounds. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> like, it's really just in supermarkets. Mm. Uh, but bizarrely, I didn't hear any. I've heard more outcry about Jamie Oliver trying to get the first minister to, <laughs> to ban to two, for one two for one pizzas than I have about somebody paying another extra two quid for their box of white wine. <laughs> Is, that is there has been some backlash to that hasn't there the two for one pizzas it's um I think it's I think it's a Jamie Oliver did it yeah 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 like he, he like uh, I don't know like and I'm behind him like mm. I'm behind him like like I get it like I look the way I look because I buy <laughs> two for one pizzas and then put them together as one pizza, pizza yeah pizza uh, sandwich man That's yeah well you know you want a homemade calzone you just take one pizza put a, another pizza don't on fold top one of pizza no pick two pizzas yeah 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 and just put them down that, on top of each other then you've got double the calzone that's it and uh, double the heartburn and <laughs> double the IBS in the next morning fantastic so Ben we how long have we, we've known each other for quite a while um, and you are quite to the geek uh, like myself. Yeah. I reckon it's probably about 10 years on and off, isn't it? Must be, must be, yeah. So was this 2018, 2008? Where were you, 2008? No, it's 2009, so it's about nine years, almost 10 years, like yeah. nine years. You were running the illicit still. Yes, yeah, yeah, pub on Broome Street. It's no longer it's, there. Yeah, it's called every every Tuesday night, was it? It was called Stand Up at the Still. Yeah, I remember that. I came down a couple And then of briefly, times. Comedy Powwow. Oh, was that it's still at the still? Was it? Uh, yeah, so it began. So it began to drop off in attendance, mm. and I think it was just because uh, it was an open mic gig. Yeah, and 
nobody cares about that. <laughs> and also what I'm experiencing running running monkey battle is that whatever you think of as the high season is incorrect. People think yeah. like the summer months, that's when people yeah. want to do something. Nah, when the but students leave and when the tourists arrive, also, that is the low period. Yeah. It's all around the country though as well. It's like as soon as the sun comes out, people don't want to be inside. They want to be... Yeah, they want to be hammered on the grass in the meadows. Exactly. They don't yeah. want to do anything. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you did that at that. Um, yeah, I remember, I think it was in, I think it must have been, when was it? I think it was, it was definitely in the Beehive, we started chatting about Star Trek at some point. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was like the conversation started, I was like, I always knew you were a bit of a geek. I was kind of trying my best to hide it. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, I think there was one day I just went, nah, screw it. Screw it. Yeah, well, so when did I discover that you were a geek? I don't know, you you, you you did hide it well, and I think it was when you started associating with Diesel Gorman. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. think that was, that was <laughs> when I knew. It was infectious, that was it. It was like, the way that he sort of... So Des finds, like I said, he seems to have an almost infinite happiness. He does. Like, he wears geekdom like it's a cozy blanket wherever he, he goes. He does, it's amazing. It's like um, proper, like, he, he takes pride in it and he's de- he's developing a nice little career in the uh, convention. Circuit. Yeah, he's the, he's the go-to Yeah, uh, <laughs> running through the audience guy. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Um, so no, he's like, it's like yeah, I met him and it was like, oh, like, I remember, I, I, when I met him, he was dressed as like the 10th or the 11th Doctor or something yeah, like that, yeah. like at a comedy gig yeah. and performing dressed like that. Oh, that's how I knew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he first started doing comedy, because he used to hang out with all that, well, he was part of the drama program with Queen, Queen Margaret, yeah, with yeah. Matt Ellis and Liam Withnail, yeah, right, yeah. comics still. Uh, he did a bit about Doctor Who. It was explaining to somebody about Doctor Who. Yeah. And it was that classic thing of comedy where you don't do a punchline for a whole minute. You just yeah. rattle off information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steely-eyed and, <laughs> just and confident. Yeah. Uh, and then breathless. I think the punchline was, now what is weird about that? And yeah. After explaining everything. Like, and, like, and that's what, like, that's what I like. Uh, there's a real funny sketch. It's called The Web of Caves. Mm. Um, it was it was a sketch with David Walliams and Mark Gatiss. Yeah. And it was broadcast on Doctor Who night in 1999, I think, on wow. BBC. Do you remember when the BBC used to do themed nights? I do remember that. Stuff. Yeah. Remember it was like a Star Trek themed yeah, night? Yeah, I do remember. Oh, God, I remember night. the Star Trek the themed nights. Yeah, a, yeah they, they, um, they broadcast Caretaker a couple of months before they were allowed to broadcast the full series. That's right, yeah, yeah. The Star Trek Voyager. Um, and the Web of Caves, it's this kind of, it's this hilarious, it's this sketch where... Uh, I think David Williams plays Sidney Newman, mm. one of the original creators of Doctor Who, and he pitches Doctor Who as if it was a full 26-year pitch. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So and he just he just like so he goes through the entire history of Doctor Who, and you think this is as a as a as an artifice, it is incomprehensible mm. to begin to explain all of it. Yep. quickly or concisely yes yeah. Uh, and it just seems so improbable and ridiculous and, <laughs> and like it's what is it my friend Dave Owen he used to write for Doctor Who magazine he said if you even dare to consider every aspect of Doctor Who your mind collapses in on itself this is why I always find it funny when people start going like well that's not part of the canon of Doctor Who yeah. like Doctor Who changes its canon on a weekly basis well so I'll tell you one of the best I'll tell you one of the, the, the biggest things that, uh, that annoys certain people is in the night of the Doctor, mm. when uh, the Eighth Doctor is about to regenerate, 
he mentions the names of all his big Finnish audio companions. Yeah. Which that means that, that is that fiction, that is that universe, so that the audio is officially canon. <laughs> so people are trying, so people are, there's like a little kind of uh, enclave of Doctor Who fans that still don't take it because it was not a televised full yeah. episode that the night of the doctor because it was an online thing it's only about eight minutes long it is not canon <laughs> and it's like well it is it absolutely is so. I know it's, it's I find canon like so difficult to deal with because yeah. like, I, I, I get like I get what it's like I get like I do as well I get annoyed by certain things where I go oh that's not they've they, they, not established that in a previous episode and yeah, stuff like yeah. that but then sometimes I think like as long as something is true to the spirit of it oh it's your own personal canon yeah exactly it absolutely and, I, is. and I think it always is your own personal canon like the Klingons in Star Trek yeah right people complaining about the new look Klingons in Discovery yeah. I've, I've got no problem with them at the end of the day they've changed the look of the Klingons so many times now yeah. that they've gone from blackface to whatever they were in the motion fit, you know, to the motion yeah. picture. Well, they also, even, they was like, it was a kind of weird Chinese-ing up. Yeah, exactly. In the yeah. first one. I, I didn't they, really... They, they were supposed to be representative of the Russians, but they were, but they made them look, tried to make them look... It I was remember, that kind of like general communism. Yeah, I, I remember that, I remember reading, I think it was in um, Leonard Nimoy's I Am Spock. Yeah. I think I remember reading they were tried to make them look Mongolian. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, ooh, they just... Yeah, it's yeah, it's a bit dark. like um, like they were supposed to be based on that kind of like um, At- uh, Attila the Hun. And yeah, yeah. What's his name now? Kublai Khan and there or Genghis Khan. Yeah, and so like they had that, and then they changed them for the motion picture, and then even throughout the course of like the modern Trek. Mm-hmm. Like the next generation stuff, like they change the look of them over and over again, and like they, they if you look at a picture of Michael Dorn as Worf from series one, and Michael Dorn from Worf, and like Deep Space say Nine. yeah, what you leave behind the final of Deep Space Nine, he's completely different. It's uh, it's like what is happening here? What are you? What are, you are you growing he, ridges? Are yeah. you losing? Are you it's having like, ridge he, surgery? No, he went to the gym and he worked out his ridges, <laughs> like ridge, <Yeah>. ridge curls. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's like cosmetic. He was getting married at one point, so he's uh, you know he's got a. Like, <laughs> For wedding day, so it's like I, when people get annoyed about like that type of thing. Like I, I thought, that, I thought the Klingons in Discovery looked like warriors, which is yeah. like, but I thought they looked bad. Like they, they looked like they were the type of things that would, you know, they, like they looked like the type of people who would eat Captain Giorgio because her body was there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, if we're having a problem with the Klingons, it's uh, you haven't looked around at any other aspect of that TV show. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, like, I, I don't know. Are we going to talk about Star Trek Discovery? Well, I was going to say, what was your, when you were growing up, Yeah. What like, was it Doctor Who, Star Trek, that was your thing? What was your thing? What was my thing? So Star Trek, first, well, okay, so I was kind of bathed in a lot of that type of stuff. When I was growing up, mm. there was a resurgence in 60s and 70s sci-fi and fantasy, yeah. courtesy yeah, yeah. of the BBC. We're similar ages, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we remember. Yeah. Yeah. So what would there have been? So there was there was Wednesday BBC Two. Yep. Six uh, p.m. There was Star Trek: The Next Generation. Aired out of order. Yeah, I don't, but because it was so, you only really noticed that when Deep Space Nine came along. Yeah, exactly. It was fine because it was episodic. It was, it was very 90s, yeah. 80s, 90s, where it was episodic. Each episode could be by itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, although, yeah, I think I think I'm right in thinking. That they did it was that they did it in production order as opposed to broadcast yeah. order. So it took so after the best of both worlds part two, 
you don't immediately get that episode of Picard going back to France to recover. Yeah. You get like another adventure. Where it's, oh, I guess he's fine then. And, <laughs> and then he starts whinging about it a couple of episodes later. That's because I think I Family was, was made a couple of episodes later and it was yeah, for whatever reason um, so there was that and then there was DS9 that would be on a Thursday mm. and then they would double bank them That's right. and then you had like that hour and a half I think. and I used to watch this with my uh, with my dad it was great and yeah. uh, I you, what used to happen is that you would always want to see the news headlines on the BBC One News so you'd miss a bit of the teaser okay yeah. so sometimes uh, you would see that it would start with just the theme tune and then you go into it and you'd have to work out what happened in the teaser <laughs> and you go okay I guess Picard is unconscious for some reason <laughs> or I guess Beverly Crusher is on an alien planet yeah, for yeah, some yeah, reason yeah, yeah, yeah. and you go I don't know I'll get it whatever um, so that so sometimes so sometimes I will still if I'm feeling I will sometimes do it I will time it up and I'll watch the DVD and I'll watch the start yeah. and then I'll, I'll watch the start of BBC News and then I'll flip over, <laughs> flip over to the HDMI channel and then I'll start watching it. That's just lovely. Kind of, that's like, that's just a lovely nerdy thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah so, I, like, I, so I like doing that. I like getting that initial buzz and I, and I always, always get that, that buzz when I hear that next gen particularly. Mm. Uh, and there's a, there's a weird point as the ship sweeps by in yeah. the title sequence. Basically when it's when the Enterprise is coming towards you, and it kind of does a little victory turn before it heads off again. There's a bit where you, oh, can, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can only really see the neck of it. Yeah. And uh, I remember, like, just that for some reason. It looks graceful, but it also reminded me of the front cover of a Next Generation video game that was out in the 90s. Oh, my God. Which I used to always go over and look at, and in, 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 I think it was PC World or something like that, when we'd go shopping on a Friday. Was it? It was like... Yeah, CD-ROM game, uh, Final Unity, was it called that? I can't remember, I just remember I, seeing the front cover of it. Yeah. Because I, I, I didn't have cable. Mm. I used to, so you remember, you remember SFX magazine? Yeah, I remember you that. Remember yeah, there yeah, used yeah. to be like that little sealed pocket in the middle of SFX that used to have like spoilers for upcoming episodes? Yeah, yeah. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, didn't, I couldn't afford SFX. Yeah. So I used to go around to my auntie Deirdre's house and mm. take her copies of TV Guide because she had cable television. <laughs> and I used to read the uh, read the, the synopsis for yeah. the episodes which were being broadcast on Sky One <laughs> to go, oh, this is what happens. Oh, my God. It's like, oh, my God, Troy and Warford in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that coming. So wait, you, you spoiled things for yourself. <laughs> yeah, but it was that kind of, like, it was that, it was before people really knew spoilers. It was about immersing yourself in mm. it. Uh, and then also I would go like I like I remember going to a, I remember going to a ch because let's let's be honest it's probably I would say people listening to this are maybe of a similar ilk and probably a similar age so yeah. we've all had this kind of thing where we've had a fandom which has developed across a technology yeah. where we are now glutted yes. for where when we began it probably ingrained in us because it was something that you feverishly sought mm. uh, and there was always always a mystery. Um, for instance, I remember, like I'd never saw series one, or I do. Tell you about one of my favorite, my first Star Trek memories is um, Tasha Yar's funeral. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't know who she was. I just remember the images of like this weird woman thinking she was just like a normal crew member, um, uh, and just general that kind of black oil slick. Oh god, baddie, that monster! Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That. 
And I remember going to like a church fete and somebody had a jigsaw of the cast from like series one. And I was like, oh, there's Worf and oh, look at the uniforms. And who, who is that? I remember that Who's as well. that person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, who is that? And I had to find out. So you would go back and you would like, so that kind of existed in this kind of like series three, four, five, six of Next Generation. Yeah. As broadcast on the BBC. That was, that, yeah, that was definitely my sort of thing. I remember yeah. as well. I remember Tasha and Pulaski as well. Dr. Oh, Pulaski. Oh, yeah. Someone went, yeah, it was, was like, Wait, wait, Dr. Crusher was out for a whole season. Yeah, and I was like, what? And who is this one? Is, is she trying to be Bones? Is she like... Yeah, yeah. she always bloody irritated me. And even when I watch her back, like she's obviously a good actress. But yeah. obviously it just went, I don't know how to write the Doctor. Yeah. Because remember that like Next Generation didn't have a chief engineer for ages. It didn't. Or it did. I mean, there was a guy, but there was like every, like it seemed to it, change every episode. Yeah, because it was, um, Jordy was on the bridge. Yeah, Jordy was the navigator or the pilot. Yeah, because they had Jordy and Data side by side. Yeah. And it was like, these are clearly supposed to be the new check off yeah, because they thought it would be a laugh yeah. to have a blind guy being a pilot <laughs> that's, that's what they thought of. but it's, yeah I remember it was I remember um, like I, my eye opener for like sort of all the backstory of so like yeah Next Generation th- season 3 onwards was my thing yeah um, Deep Space Nine I struggled to get into but I think I blame the BBC for that because they aired it out of order so it was all very jarring in terms of how you were supposed to watch it I always remember those. Uh, yeah, well, so there were definitely... I think I was kind of uncomfortable with the the brutality of mm. it because it was definitely something where people had to arrive at the station. And if the... Like, so if, if the person arrived at the station and they were awful... <laughs> like, do you remember... Like, I remember feeling embarrassed. Remember there's an episode called Move Along Home where, oh, yeah. where um, Quark is playing a weird kind of, like, big chess game thing yes yes but it physically transforms they're all inside Cisco the game Kira. yeah 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 and I just remember they had that this weird, is embarrassing yeah the weird hopscotch part yeah. they had to do yeah I remember that and yeah. going, oh Christ this is what it's like isn't it <laughs> and uh, yeah so anyway so I liked that but the interesting thing about that I didn't get to see some of early Deep Space Nine mm. not because of the news but because Channel 4 obviously went, well, we've got a lot of sci-fi stuff that we could be battling. So my mum used to be like, no, 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 we're watching The Avengers on a Thursday. <laughs> so I was like, I guess you trade it off. I'm not going to see Star Trek, but I'm getting to see these like bizarre episodes of yeah. John Steed and Tara King and all that. <laughs> which I thought was, like, hilarious. It was also, like, James Bond. But there was also, like, Sunday mornings, there was Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet. Um, there were Sunday morning repeats of certain Doctor Who episodes, yeah. Pyramids of Mars and The yeah. Green Death and things like that. And then BBC used to have, when it wasn't Star Trek, they used to have original Star Trek mm. or sci-fi B-movies, oh, yeah. which I absolutely loved. So I think it's, like... A- I think like the the nineties, especially sort of the, the late eighties, the early nineties in particular, though, right up until up until about the mid, yeah, was like this golden age of sci-fi on TV, yeah. and not just in terms of like new stuff. So yeah, yeah Star Trek: Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. You also had the X Files going on as well. Yeah. But then you. Uh, and you know what ignited all of it? Uh, it was uh, the releasing of so it was it was the X Files. But it was also the releasing of the um, the Roswell tape. That's right, yeah. So it was like suddenly everyone was interested in... That sort of Roswell yeah. autopsy. Yeah. And it wasn't just sci-fi. It was UFOs and aliens and the paranormal in general. It was everything. Because you had like then you had like Buffy and Charmed. Um, you, had, um, you had Lex. You had Farscape. You had yeah. Babylon 5. All these weird... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All these sort of weird shows. Um, 
weird sci-fi fantasy shows which were all brilliant and then yeah. these Red Dwarf had its comeback on uh, BBC Stargate yeah, SG-1 yeah, yeah. which had then had all the spin-offs and stuff like that yeah. and then like so like people our age and then they start doing all the reruns of the old Star Trek yeah. the uh, well because it was Star Trek's 30th anniversary that was probably when it was its height of popularity yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do you, I remember the 25th was it the 25th yeah that was 1991 so that's when Star Trek 6 came out yeah it might have been the 30th I remember getting it was the they got the no it was it was the 30th because it was um, they they had like the celebration on TV yeah, yeah. Um, and at one point they had so Star Trek Voyager is the latest in the family yeah, yeah, yeah. we have got a video clip of the initial um, auditions yeah, of yeah, the yeah. casting and it was the cast of Frasier with uh, Catherine Mulgrew still playing Janeway but the cast of Frasier around her being like the cast of Frasier as if oh, it would be in right, Star Trek okay, okay. and it was, it was funny it was really right, funny okay. and you had like Roz flirting with some sort of alien as she was the communications right, officer okay. and stuff like that so it was really really funny um but like, yeah, that was like, yeah, this was twenty fifth and thirtieth. It was like tight, and then sort of like the naughty, like the naughties came, and it just all went and got replaced by like. Um, yeah, what did it get replaced by? There was a reality sort of, TV. Was well, reality TV. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what it was, and then all kinds of like programs of sci-fi interest. Yeah, became rather than chilling documentaries. Um, they became just kind of like things that you stuff away late night on the History Channel or early afternoon on the History Channel yeah. I mean every time you turn the History Channel on it's all you get is ancient aliens that yeah. kind of um, but there seems to be like this resurgence now yeah. that, where it's all coming back so you've got the new Star Trek Discovery Star Wars is making a massive comeback with yeah. its new stuff um, and even like they're talking about Star Wars TV shows and stuff yeah, like that. Doctor yeah. Who since 2005 has gone through this massive sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. resurgence and, um, and then have you Netflix is just throwing out Netflix and Amazon and stuff like that just keep throwing out all these and again not just sci-fi but comic book stuff yes yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah that's what it is so it was in the 90s it was resolutely fixed in space mm. where now and I guess maybe that's the legacy of reality television everything is set very much on earth mm. extraordinary things but very much on earth there's yeah. no there isn't a lot of like even if you look at Star Trek Discovery they very rarely get off that ship <laughs> it's, yeah. very, it's, it's based in human reality human society uh, the touchstones for Earth yeah. have you watched the um, the reboot of Lost in Space yet? no I mean that's again that's, so that's, that's a big example of like what they've done to update so I love the original TV series I absolutely loved as a kid I remember watching it and stuff like that um, the, the, the movie was exists I just find it such crap <laughs> But the new one, it's like, it was one of the best first episodes of something that I've watched in a long time. Is it? Okay. Yeah, and I was really impressed. But it's done that whole thing of like, yeah, it's set in space. Yeah, there's lots of technology and yeah. science words and stuff like that. But actually the whole thing's based on, this is the relationship between this person, this person, this person, and yeah. the, the human aspect of it. Yeah. They, this, they're trapped on this bit of the planet. Mm -hmm. So don't forget about the planet. Forget the fact that they're on an alien planet. Yeah. Let's look at them. Yeah. and it's like okay that's fine and yeah it has sort of shifted that way hasn't it where yeah. it's like yeah which is good because that's where the very best of Star Trek always lay it was in proper relationships um, well that was it wasn't it, it's, it, it he, he, they couldn't write conflict between the crew oh yeah Gene Roddenberry so Gene Roddenberry had uh, Gene Roddenberry after the original run of Star Trek seemed to 
re-educate himself as to what it was that he actually created. Mm. And there's plenty of positivity within the original series, but there's no end of conflict. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. You, you, you would not have got... I mean, like, Bones and McCoy, McCoy and Spock are exactly like the classic example of this. Now, it's a teasing relationship, but you could be uncharitable and say that McCoy is actually quite a racist. horrifying <laughs> character. He's a, yeah, he's a racist. Yeah. Um, and then he seems to be in this kind of wilderness where really he goes on the fan circuit, he, he courts fandom until he creates the next generation. Mm. Uh, and when he does, he recreates this idea and it becomes something that I'm sure is more positive. That mm. it also means, I mean, it's very well documented how difficult it was to do anything of interest in that first series of Next Generation because yeah. <laughs> nobody could have any problems with each other. It was. It was a, I think that's why season three onwards. But they, the, I think it challenged the writers of well a little bit to try and find some sort of drama. Well, yeah, but then it falls into like everywhere. It's just, you just have patronizing episodes like Code of Honor. Oh, God. Where like a oh, racist, God. like a, a classic racist stereotype kidnaps. I mean, there was loads of kidnapping stuff. There's always like a Planet Fall episode where, uh, you know, like somebody does something wrong or. You know, you have to, because you have to create conflict out with the ship, mm. the first thing the ship is going to encounter is another society as yeah. opposed to an individual. So you really have to use broad strokes to create a society within 44 minutes of yeah, television. Yeah, very true. So what you get is that kind of code of honour, the racist kind of um, African-American stereotype. But you also have that fucking vile episode where um, Wesley is going to be put to death because he arrives in like a hedonistic, sexual... I remember um, that, yeah, yeah. Like kind of Garden of Eden playground thing where it's just embarrassing. <laughs> um, and that's then you get that. And the first time that they actually do anything of interest is when they dispense from the living culture and mm. get rid of what's left by that. So they have the arsenal of freedom mm. where they uh, where they encounter like basically an automated weapons planet. That's mm. all that's left yeah. of what was created. So you don't have to deal with anything except the thing that killed a society. Mm. Uh, and then you can show that affecting a small group of people. And that's where for the first time you get to know everybody. It's a great, great ensemble piece. Well, yeah, I think actually it's a really good point bringing that up. I think some of my favourite episodes all revolve around them finding an old bit of technology that has yeah. been responsible for either the wiping out of a civilization or preserving the memory of a civilization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like the inner light is probably yeah. So why does that work? Because you get a glimpse of a society yeah. through just one guy in one village yeah. as opposed to an entire like and, and he's just a guy. Yeah. It's not like he's the prime minister. No, or no, the he's, king he's, he's or just something. a normal guy he's, he's, he plays the flute he, yeah, did, yeah. You know, he likes a telescope and that's yeah, about it he yeah. builds watering systems it's all that kind of stuff yeah like, it's lovely and then like there was also uh, what was the other one I was going to bring up um, Relics uh, where Scotty comes yes. back it's a great episode um, not just because you've got Scotty coming back and trying yeah. to interact and blah, 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 which is some lovely moments like yeah. where, where he goes onto the bridge of the, Enterprise, the original Enterprise and yeah. stuff like that and he has some lovely moments there but it's like Wow, we've discovered this Dyson sphere, which we've—it's all been theoretical. We've never heard of, you know, we've, yeah. we've heard of these, but we've never seen one. And suddenly, yeah. oh, we've seen one, but it's actually—it has worked, but it's not worked because it's yeah, yeah. and so on and so forth. I mean, and uh, you know, we nobody's allowed around to tell us everything, so I guess we have to go. Uh, we don't know. So yeah, yeah. and then you don't have to bother writing a bizarre explanation. This is why I don't know. Like I, I really like the sci-fi where it's it's immediate mm. and. Th- you don't have to... Uh, so I was thinking about this the other day. Like One of my favourite films, it may be un- unpopular to say, but I guess if you separate the art and the artist, mm. I really like Midnight in Paris, right. Woody Allen's film. 
And why do I like it? It's because the magic just happens. Yeah. Like, if you've seen it, it's about a guy who t- is able to time travel yeah. back from modern-day Paris to, like, you know, literary Ernest Hemingway, left-bank kind of uh, Paris. Uh, and it never explains why it happens. Yeah. It just does happen. Yeah, I think... I totally agree with you. I think there's... Um, okay, there are some movies where... So, like, Back to the Future, for example. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. The, the, the amount of explanation for why they can travel through time goes to there's a flux capacitor that makes me that, that means we can travel through time yeah, yeah, yeah. full stop done right but there are some movies that go the opposite way and they just try to over explain yeah so, so back to the future like the peril is the technology yeah it's about the tinkering with the mechanics of the past but it's also about uh you know the the fact that all of this happens is because it's a, it's a very human yeah. scientist yeah. and 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 a very definite technology. Uh, so you need to explain a lot of stuff of how it works, or the whole ending of like a lightning rods, yeah, eighty yeah. miles an hour, and all that kind of stuff just doesn't work. You don't but, get the peril. Of but it. that's fine because it's part of the yeah. it's part of the storytelling fabric of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but then you've got something like um, I'm going to criticize it. I always criticize it. Avatar. Right. Yeah. Okay. Which, visually, is probably one of the most beautiful movies I've ever watched. I think like mm-hmm. it was the first movie that I watched in three D, and I went, "This is exactly why three D has been created." Yeah. It looks stunning. Sure. But the first, at every moment, they're just everything they introduce. They're just over-explaining everything rather than just going right. This is the situation. Mm-hmm. Let's just go with it. Yeah. They they over-explain everything. It's like, why are we here? We're here for this subject. Subject. Which, uh, substance. Which we call. Unobtainium. I'm yeah. like, no, I'm done. I'm done. You're gonna call it unobtainium. I'm not done with that. Or if you're gonna call it that, I'm like a joker. Yeah, exactly. But it's like everything was over, over, overly explained yeah. at every moment, and I was like, well, no, we right, we get it. You're you, you've set up that there's the planet Earth and there's yeah. like this substance and like, this planet. And blah, blah, blah. Just go do it. Just go do it. Don't don't. I think yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I think like the best sci-fi is when it just goes into it. It's just like look, this is what the world is. Yeah. This is how we do it. The story is more important. Yeah, yeah when it affects the people. Yeah. As opposed to tries to do lip service of affecting the characters, but also wink. There's an audience watching. <laughs> now we know you have questions. <laughs> you mentioned your. Um, so you mentioned Bond as well. You're yeah. A big Bond fan. Yeah. What is it about Bond? Um, I don't know, but I guess it sits in the same place as Star Trek, which is it's something that you would watch with family. Yeah. And so it reminds you of decent times. So. You know, like I, I remember in the, when they started doing the TV premieres of. So, what's my favorite Bond is Dalton. Yeah. Uh, and I know that's unpopular, but uh, he's the first person, he's the first Bond I encountered. Mm. And it was because you got to see these exciting action films um, when they were first built. So, when it was, so it was around about kind of like the 80s, 90s when they started doing so. View to a Kill, yeah, um, yeah. Living Daylights, License to Kill, Golden Eye, those are the four kind of like entry level bonds <laughs> that I had because back then it was a big thing for a television premiere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we would watch them, me and my dad and my mum as well, but it was like obviously it was a thing for lads to watch and it was just exciting. Mm. Like Pierce Brosnan, like going through the streets of uh, Stalingrad in a tank. Um, I always loved uh, the Living Daylights Bond uh, go skating across the border down a snowy hill yeah. on a violin case. Uh, I loved the oil tanker fight in Races <laughs> to Kill. Uh, I mean, I, I, 
I've watched it now and obviously it's not the best of the Bond films but just like a blimp fight at the end of a view <laughs> to a kill and it blew my mind after having watched um, uh, loads of Avengers mm. that Patrick McMee is in that so it's, it's basically oh, John oh, yeah, Steed yeah. and James Bond together amazing uh, and uh, I was scared by Grace Jones and all that Like so I just love that kind of period of Bond yeah. and I've gone back and I'm not, I'm not really like the Connery Bonds particularly and Roger Moore some of them are alright yeah I always it, remember like of all the Roger Moore Bonds the only one I really really like is um, oh god what's it called again um, Paul McCartney did the uh, in, oh Live and Let Die Live and Let Die it's the only one I really really like it's the only one that doesn't have Q in it uh, yeah um, which is weird of, of, of Roger Moore's Bonds it's the only one I really really like I think a lot of it's because I always remember that was the one that was always on for some reason. Oh, really? Because yeah. it was the man with the golden gun that I always remember being on. Yeah. Um, but then, I guess, there'll be people in 10 years' time having the same conversation. There is always a James Bond on on ITV2 or something <laughs> like that. Um, and, you know, do I, like the, I like Daniel Craig's portrayal of him. But wasn't he... I've always said that what he's doing now, Timothy Dalton kind of... That was the direction that. Uh, yeah, so don't. So it's sometimes uncomfortable reading the original Ian Fleming novels, mm. like some of the prose, some of the behaviour. Like yeah. it's definitely uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and I think Dalton tried to do something that was a bit more of a match between Connery, but the obviously real character mm. in the books, like the real troubled character in the books. Yeah. Um, and then they've kind of upped the ante. I mean, like so this whole kind of I, I think there's been a few missteps with Craig Daniel Craig Bonds like I really liked Skyfall yeah but um, when it comes to Spectre it's oh. like if you've actually done that thing which has so long been a joke in Hollywood which is the baddie is somehow the brother the yeah. stepbrother yeah, of the hero yeah 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 you know like something that I remember like uh there was always this kind of suggestion of Doctor Who that the Doctor and the Master were brothers, and there's like a there's a big joke made that that is not the case. Yeah. See, at least in in uh, the Avengers, Thor and Loki are brothers from the outset. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, and that's absolutely fine. Like that's part of what that yeah, mythology yeah. is. Yeah. But this kind of idea, which has never been moved in many, and in the books, never and been mentioned in any of the other films. Big reveal. Yeah, yeah and, and it's, it's like, like okay, yeah. yeah. So I just found it very. I I got annoyed with that movie because it was just the way it tried to tie up all the previous movies yeah. but then like turned its back completely on Quantum of Solace which yeah. I accept Quantum of Solace was not a great Bond film I accept that but it's like oh, just just own it just yeah. if, you, if you're going to have that if you're going to try and tie in all the previous movies and just completely skip one yeah. first of all I didn't like them trying to uh, I, did, I felt it was forced that they were like yes I've been controlling all these other bad guys yeah, yeah. and I was like really? because yeah. they all seemed to be really in it for themselves yeah. during those movies they, 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 they did not seem to have the, the fear of a larger organisation yeah, yeah. looking over their shoulder exactly there, there, there was never that hint um, well I suppose there was at the, in Casino Royale uh, yes but then it was not that organisation yeah, so they were talking about two different levels of, of exactly of so it was like da, 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 you've introduced this, you're trying to introduce this new thing oh, I need his brother so that's, uh, that kind of annoyed yeah. me uh, as you said um, and it was like but then it was if you're going to do it for all your movies then do it for all your movies yeah don't just black out this one movie and be yeah. like oh yeah that was our so yeah so what happened is that they restarted Bond 
and they decided to go for we'll do a two-parter ah mm. uh, okay that doesn't work we didn't do it so after you know because bond is in this constant state now where it has to be an event like mm. the moment it kind of grinds through like it did in the 80s yeah the moment it just becomes another movie it's dead yeah. So everything has got to be a spectacle. Everything has got to be incredible. Mm. And they got it right with Skyfall. They made it about Bond as a character. Yeah. They like everything about that film. I really, really yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah, great film. Um, and then they try to do the same with Spectre, and you go, there's only so much you can say about this character. There's only so much you can do with uh, with a hero. Yeah. So the net. So. You know, they want Daniel Craig to stay for another Bond. And I think, yeah, I really like him as Bond. But the next step would have been, right, everyone does four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? I'll tell you what I did like about Spectre. And, and I genuinely liked it. This is not just me trying to find a thing to be positive yeah. about it. I genuinely liked that actually the characters around Bond had their moments. Yes. Q yeah, yeah, yeah. was brilliant yeah. through that movie. Like he had some real standout moments as a character. Yeah. And I thought, and that would be an interesting way to go about another Bond movie was mm -hmm. actually focus the Bond movie. Bond's there. Mm -hmm. He's the, he's the Marty McFly. The story happens around him. Yeah. But actually, so like if you look at Back to the Future, so the first, the first Back to the Future, the story happens around Marty, mm -hmm. but actually it's about his parents. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, the second one is actually about Biff, mm -hmm. and the third movie is actually about Doc Brown. Yeah. So you could have like a Bond movie where Bond's there, but it's actually about Q. It's about Money Penny. It's about M. And like. Yes, yeah, you certainly could. Um, I mean, that would be hard because then you have to keep introducing new characters as it keeps going. But well, yeah, but what is the rate they're making? I'm about four. Yeah. Four uh, <laughs> there'll be four years or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there is something to be said about that. It's not just Bond. Yeah, because um, they, 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 as you said, they've done the focus on Bond, and that was it was Skyfall yeah. was brilliant. It gave Bond sort of a depth that he never had as a character before, yeah. like coming back trying to be Bond again. Yeah, like yeah, it was great. But Spectre, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a shame because I wanted it so badly to work. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I guess the problem I had with it is that there are so many scenes that reference other Bond movies mm. and you compare so when they go to like a kind of chalet on top of a yeah. alpine mountain oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't if you're a Bond film fan and you go to it you can't help but thinking of Honor Majesty's Secret Service <laughs> and then you expect certain things which are never delivered and you s compare the scenes you compare the characters and what's happening and you go, well, all the other stuff was better. <laughs> it was like Die Another Day was like that when they decided to have a reference from every Bond film. Oh, my God. Oh, and, uh, oh that know. was... I genuinely thought that killed the franchise dead. Like, I never thought I'd see another Bond movie again after that movie. It just seemed... It was... Improbable. And I think that's where Spectre went. It started moving too far out of the improbable mm. after what really reignited Bond, which was a, which was a real-world... Well, character and Casino issue. Royale was brilliant because it took the spectacle away and went we're just going to focus on a small story yeah. and I really really liked that um, and then Quantum of Solace happened yeah. um, it had its moments yeah I mean they all have their moments they're absolutely <laughs> fine it's uh, yeah. um, I, I, and then Skyfall just knocked it out of the park in yeah. terms of what it could do and then yeah you're right I think like, Spectre just went yeah just, just yeah. Anyway, but would you agree with me? I, I, I've, I've had this argument quite a time. Bond is geeky. 
yes, it is. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's like first of all, you've got the gadgets, mm-hmm. right, and all the stuff like that. But it's like you know, people you know have their favorite bonds. They have their favorite movies. They have their favorite sort of yeah. like all the things. So I mean, it's a larger issue of I think that anything that particularly provokes. I mean, I don't think I don't think geek is something that is specifically about pew pew. And no, it's not. Is it? Like I think like you could definitely definitely argue that. Um, Football fans are geeks. Absolutely. They're geeks for that particular thing. They're massively geeks. Uh, yeah. But there's, I don't know, maybe there's some sort of biological or psychological <laughs> things. Like, like they, 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 don't, they don't look a certain way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if you think of a geek, everyone has like a particular yeah. idea, you know, scrawny glasses, maybe beard, I don't know, some of these kind of things. And uh, like a, a football fan, if you think of a football one, doesn't look like that. Yeah. But there is little difference between. I argue that whenever they uh, buying a football shirt, putting yeah. a player's name on the back, that is just cosplay. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Just. It is just cosplay, and you <laughs> memorize facts. Yep, and you have a strong emotional reaction. <laughs> and you have debate. Uh-huh. And you, have, you set time aside. Yeah, and there's a culture that grows up round about it. You don't just go and see a film. You uh, so a, a football match. A podcast. You go home and you watch Sky Sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sky Sports is based. I mean, imagine if there was like star, a dedicated Star Trek news channel. <laughs> oh my episode. god! Imagine there was like yeah. Sky Star Trek. <laughs> you know, like when the when transfer window week or whatever mm. happens, people greet it in the same way that they unveil the cast of the new Avengers movie or something. You yeah, know, like yeah. it's it's there is no difference. Yeah, it is just. There's one thing is more socially ingrained in society than the other. And that's it. Yeah, let's um, let's go back because you did ask me if I was going to ask you. But let's let's talk discovery. Start a discovery. Yes. yes. Okay. So what was your? Uh, so I well I haven't seen it all yet. Oh, have you not? Nah. So I okay. So what's so what's the what's the problem I I have? So firstly, I don't have time in my adult life to, to <laughs> sit it to sit it where it meant something to start it meant yeah, something to yeah, me as, yeah. as a kid. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, like when you're a kid, you, you know, you're on the timetable of adults. <laughs> so you don't have a job, you can finish school, you can sit down. So if something's on at six o'clock, you can hammer into it at mm, six o'clock. Mm. Uh, I spend a vast majority of my day nowhere near a television screen. Yeah. So if I watch it, it's like late at night where I'm falling asleep. I'm usually on my own, so I only have my own thoughts and company for it. And I don't particularly like either of those things. <laughs> so I don't have somebody to share it in the fuse with it. Um, and I also just feel that there is something... I'm, I'm just slightly uncomfortable with a kind of... blandness, combativeness, and distrustfulness, I feel, towards a lot of the characters. Right, okay. Uh... And if I'm honest, there are just some logical choices. It's like I just so okay. So, so here's the main thing I have, which is what it looks like mm-hmm. is the bridge between Star Trek Enterprise, yeah, and the J.J. Abrams movies. Right. So rather than original, yeah, yeah, it does not. And I, and I and I know what happens at the end of the first series. You get a glimpse of the Captain Pike's Enterprise. Yeah. Um, I'll be interested to see what they do with that. But I think if Doctor Who has proved anything, particularly in the most recent Christmas episode, Twice Upon a Time, mm. is that you can absolutely adhere to the, the, the retro design and period with which the thing first began mm. and find a way to explain it or to realign it for a, for a modern audience to understand and appreciate. Mm. So what I hoped they were going to do was something a bit less flashy, 
yeah. a bit more claustrophobic mm-hmm. and uh, a bit more real and certainly a bit more colourful yeah. in the way that it looks like it would lead up to... Because, I mean, if you look at Enterprise's episodes in A Mirror Darkly, where they yeah. find the Defiant... Oh, and it's, it's exactly, they've set it up exactly. Yeah. yeah, and maybe they could tone it down a bit, or Trouble with, um, Tribbles and Troubles, what's it called? Yeah. The Deep, Deep Space Nine uh, Trials and Tribulations. That's it, yeah, yeah. Um, that one has proved that you can still... You can still do deal with that kind of sixties aesthetic mm. by maybe just doing a couple of lines of dialogue. I t- I'll tell you what I was discussing this the other day. Um, I was thinking somebody's going, how, so how, "Where's the bridge then? How do you how do you how do you do the bridge between that kind of drab militaristic, technology heavy kind of thing?" And I went, "I'll tell you what. Discovery ends the war, and in celebration and a move towards being a more formal, peaceful, scientific organization, they make a deliberate attempt to create an aesthetic across Starfleet which is colourful, which is comfortable. Mm. Uh, like it's an artistic choice. You know, in the bri- you know, in the original bridge, yeah. where above the stations they have what are essentially just pictures, artistic yeah. pictures. Of. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's obviously the, like, people are going, well, that's supposed to be like the screensaver. That's what they're showing outside. And I'm like, no, no, no. What if it's what if it's specifically they've hung artwork around the <laughs> bridge yeah because they want to make it a not a drab crazy making space mm. they want to make it a home like a, a bastion of culture as it moves through well the galaxy well, isn't that the whole thing about Star Trek Next Generation it was basically space travel in a living room y- yes <laughs> yeah, yeah and you do look at it and you go like yeah I mean I guess there's, there's this idea that it's a cruise ship but you just go yeah what, what, what do you want do you well, want, they, do you want got, people they, go they've gone from well yeah if you look at like Battlestar Galactica yeah. right it's very militaristic the yeah. whole series is based on they're, const- they're still at war they're yeah, constantly yeah. at war yeah. whereas in Star Trek Next Generation and, Star- and the idea of Starfleet is actually yes it is a military organisation partly yeah. but actually its main drive is exploration yeah. so actually their weaponry and stuff like that is more of a it's, a, it's supposed to be a last stand yeah. like a last like you know a last resort whereas actually the first thing should be diplomacy so naturally do you know what the first place that you're going to meet the aliens if you're going to invite them onto the ship has to look as yeah it has to look like a, I don't know a, a, a grand a place that you want to chill out diplomatic yeah, em, yeah, yeah. an embassy in space yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, I'd just like to have seen a bit of a greater bridge between yeah. one thing and the other, rather than this kind of weird re- reworking of Star Trek history. Mm. Like when they broadcast it on television now, it's those CGI'd, updated, yeah. uh, recolorized versions that they play yeah. now. Um, and that's fine. Like, mm. you know, if it brings it to a wider audience, that's broadly fine. Yeah. But I would just like to have seen a bit more of that kind of like care. Right, that the, the British science fiction seems to, or a British science fiction fans mm. seem to bring to their updated s- version of a thing. I do, yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. I, I enjoyed it. I, um, yes, I enjoyed. It. I loved it. Um, it reminded me very much of Deep Space Nine more in its sort of story. Yeah, there's uh, definitely more of a DS Nine. I yeah. think that's when I started thinking like that. That's when I started to get out. But then I started noticing, it's like, there, but then I started noticing, ah, oh, there's not too much difference. And there are some episodes which just seem like bog standard Star Trek. Yeah, 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 there is. I mean, there's like, like, the last one that I recently watched was the one where um, Harry Mudd has a kind of time jumping yeah, thing. Yeah, and I thought that was a great Trek episode. Yeah, 
But right. it's just cause and effect again. Yeah. It's, just, it's just a Bran and Braga script again, yeah. <laughs> done again. Very until, true. until you start working out that there are certain people like Data or uh, like Stamets who are uh, attuned and can yeah. pass messages through the time loops yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I think, I think for me, I think I think what's happened with it is that in order to justify Star Trek coming back, yeah. yes, the, the the Abrams movies have done well. Yeah. Uh, considering but actually they haven't like you know like box office wise Paramount like no they've not done great yeah. and stuff like that but actually they have done great because they've brought some fans back in yeah. or they've brought some new fans to the, the franchise whatever um, and I, I still maintain Beyond is actually probably out of the three mm-hmm. A-Rams is probably the best one because it's the most Trek yeah, but it's also as well the most inoffensive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you just think like, oh, is that is that what I'm looking for? Mm, yeah. Um, so, I think when it came to Discovery, because actually Discovery, so Paramount have got the movie series, yeah. and CBS have got the TV series, mm-hmm. and I've been reading about this. It's like actually, because the rights are split, they can't actually have the TV series look too much like this. They actually have to make some design changes and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but I also think when they were pitching it it's like the TV series like we're going to bring Star Trek back it's going to be based in the prime universe and so on and so forth um, they, they had to borrow some of the aesthetics from the J.J. Abrams because that's what people were used to now yeah. but also I think they were like okay well, this is what we're going to do for our first season and they had to justify to CBS you know this is, this is what we're going to do for the first series because it's going to have to be this so it's going to yeah. be a big spectacle blah blah blah, blah and it's going to end on this so that people are like, wow and there'll be lots of twists and turns and what I'm hoping now that it's been renewed for a second season they can go right now we've got the freedom to maybe be more explorers or this that and next yeah day. I mean I, I hope so and I, it, I, with Bond and, uh, and and with Discovery I think I've been very, very negative and I don't mean to be negative no but it's... but I think I think just like what do I think about it well there is that kind of I, I, I felt a sense of disappointment yeah because I, I didn't feel like I didn't feel too connected to the Star Trek I liked when I saw it. Uh, but also, as well, as I say, like it matters where you deploy this in your life. I was going to say that it was actually there's a very interesting point that you just, just at the beginning of it, that you yeah. just said is about time yeah. and about where it fits into your life. Yeah. You, you are, we are adults now. Yeah. Um, and so, like, our time is, so, like, you, you're running a comedy club, you're getting ready for the Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, you've got the Department of Magic, yeah, Department, Department of, of Magic, Magic yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so on and so forth. These are real life things that you've got to be concerned with. You've got to yeah. So, so when you when you when you take in entertainment, a lot uh, of the time, I, I don't have time for weekly entertainment, you, you, um, and I don't. So when people say, "Oh, have you watched this series? You watch Game of Thrones? What is it like series seven now? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I don't have time to go back and glut. It's not just that you don't have time. It's like as well. It's the whole idea of. Um, so when you do want to sit down and watch something, you don't. It's it's hard work to sort of do every week and learn about the new characters and learn about this and then learn about that. Yeah. And I get that. I totally get that. Well, it's uh, about habit. It's about placing it within habit yeah, so it yeah. becomes norm for you. And I guess there's a difference as well in that. You know, I watched all of this with receptive others, mm. my mom and my dad, depending on what it was. Um, I'm now in. A relationship where somebody with somebody who's not <laughs> primarily geared yeah. for that, uh, and it's not to say they don't like it or they make fun of it, but I also suffer, and I'm sure a lot of people listening suffer, is that when you try and share a passion with somebody that they are not immediately attuned to, you actually begin to see its failings more acutely. You yeah. see it through other people's eyes, and you begin to feel like a little shame spiral. Uh, you know, like 
she's asked often to see episodes of Doctor Who, and, I've, and I, 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 I then go through it. And you think, well, which one is good? <laughs> yeah, which one is good? And I start, like, I start going, oh, I used to like that, but actually the ending's pretty awful, I'm not going to bother. Oh, no, that's got a giant green cock yeah. monster in it. Oh, that's going to happen. And know. that one, you have to have to watch that one, and, yeah. oh, you can't, yeah, I totally, yeah, yeah I get so that. So there is yeah. no way that you can experience that together without some sort of anxiety or social policing. Mm. And it's, it's, that's, but that's entirely me. Like, mm. that is not the partner. Fault. That is not that is not her like going impressed. No, me. no, I totally that's get me it. wanting to impress that person. So if I say, oh, do you want to sit down and watch Discovery? Like I don't want to waste an hour of her time. <laughs> <laughs> like if she's not into it, I don't want, I want like I don't want to be anxious about it. I want to experience it with somebody who wants to sit and watch every episode. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that's where this nostalgia comes from, um, isn't it? It's just like yeah, I get it, man. I get it. I totally get it. Okay, before we close up. Uh, because I realise you've got you're busy and you've got stuff to do and stuff. Like that. Uh, Twenty-five. Yeah, about okay. half an hour still. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, there's one thing we do on the Geekatorium. Yeah. Is that we have the Geek Arc. Um, yeah. Where you get to put something in, uh, some something you want. The Geek. The Geek Arc. arc. You can preserve it for all to time. Save We've it. already had the Enterprise D okay. put in there. We've had things like Ecto One. Uh, what else have we had? Holly. Uh, the original Holly from Red okay, Dwarf is in there. Okay. Uh, we've had... What else have we had? Um, oh, God, we've had loads of stuff, and I can't even remember off the top of my head. But, okay. yeah, yeah. so it's been... We've had, like, 15 episodes so far, and 16 things have been put in. Okay. Because I had a well, two. Well, somebody had two, did they? No, no, I had... I, I did... Uh, I spoke to Billy Kirkwood and Neil Bratchfield in one episode. Ah, right, so okay. they, they had The Young Ones and Winston Zeddemore. Okay. Which is interesting, because Winston's now just in... He's the only sort of animate object in there okay. by himself uh, oh no okay. I suppose Holly's there you can talk to Holly Holly definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've had um, what else have we had uh, oh god uh, oh John dies at the end book there okay uh, we've had Jackie Chan Armour of God there's an, okay. there's an N64 in there there's yes, a Game Boy okay. in there so yeah what would I put in the Geekatorium so uh, and so what is this like a hall of fame this is it's, imagine it's going to get preserved and then in a thousand years opened up uh, and people can see what was the thing? What was the thing? Well, I don't know. So somebody's put the Enterprise D. Yeah. And I think that's quite a meaningful starship. Yeah. Uh, although maybe would I put the Enterprise A? Because, so, so, for, so Star Trek for me is so much about not just watching it yeah it's glancing it through windows okay glancing at it it's uh well it's that glimpse into the future isn't it well so well it's, it's that glimpse of when you only have terrestrial television <laughs> program once a week uh maybe every now and again for a christmas or a birthday a vhs uh, so you can watch episodes of back like I remember I remember one of the first VHSs I got well the very first VHS I got was Star Trek 3 The Search for Spock yeah I remember that um, but I remember getting my so remember the City Arts Centre in Edinburgh had Star Trek the I exhibition. remember that yeah this was in what 93, 94, 95 yeah, something yeah. like that Jimmy Doohan was there yes and it was there for maybe three months and I kept Pestering my mum and dad, I wanted to go, and I think we actually went on the very last day. Right. And I don't know why they took so long, but I mean, I've got a whole thing with mum and dad, which is they, it takes age, like they, they believe, like a lot of people of their generation, that doing something is for other people. 
Mm. So that when I first went to America, I was like, oh my God, this was incredibly easy. I thought it was like going to the moon or something. You just book a flight, you get on a flight, you go, you're there, it's a real thing. But they've kind of got that kind of, you know, 1960s, 1950s generation, which yeah. is, you know, if you have more than one filling on a sandwich, then you're being good to yourself. You're <laughs> yeah, being yeah, fancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's just because, anyway, so this is, this is enough of um, like lying on a couch complaining about stuff. Um, but one of the things I always, when I would get them to drive by the city art centre, so Market Street, because there was a giant version. Well, there was the oh, original man. filming model of the Enterprise yeah, and then Enterprise yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is, it's all, you, know, you see it all the time. Like it was in the one in London and Hyde yeah, Park yeah. and it's all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was always like seeing the glimpse of it as you would go past the, the, the great ornate windows. It was like, um, it was like a really budget version of the fly around the dune Star Trek, the motion picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just get like this glimpse through yeah, like, yeah, the, the strats and the, of, of yeah, the columns. You're making the noise in your head as it goes past, love yeah, it. Yeah, you're doing that kind of like operatic, yeah. slow version of the motion picture of the future. <laughs> Here's more of the yeah. ship. And, and, more of the ship. To, and then you would, and then once I took that in, you could see in the background there was something like, it was I don't know, like a Klingon's head and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And that for me, you start building up your own little fan fictions Love it within within Star Trek are the things that you glimpse and, and that kind of stuff. So maybe the Enterprise A, specifically the filming model, the filming model of, of the, the Enterprise, Enterprise and Enterprise A, that, that, that kind of refit constitution from the first six movies. Yeah, um, I think it would either be that or the very concept of the TARDIS. I think. <laughs> well, ironically, the TARDIS it would be the thing that we could probably put the arc into, yes, just yeah, give it yeah. more room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be so. I don't know, I just love the concept. I, th I think there is something, I think Doctor Who is so popular because the the TARDIS is literally the embodiment of it's the spirit of adventure. Well, we I was in Glasgow. I've been over in Glasgow over the weekend, and I love walking around Glasgow for the sheer fact that there are just TARDISes everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because of the best a little, of the little kind of uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Little weird looking, you know, one the, the the red one that they've got painted on Buchanan Street. Yeah, and I, I and I absolutely love it because and because when you see one, it is so iconic with Doctor Who now. Yeah. Well, so, yes, to the point that um, the Metropolitan Police have lost the rights mm. for using it. It is now something that is registered with the BBC. Yeah, yeah. And it's. I, I think, yeah, when you see one, that blue and that shape and that yeah. everything, it's like, yeah, that is... Tell you tell you what it's like sometimes. I tell you what it's like when you see and you can. So do you remember in the episode School Reunion where Sarah creeps and Sarah Jane creeps into the school at yes. night time and she's looking around... And yes. she, she opens a door and she sees the TARDIS, mm. uh, and then she turns around and sees the Tenth Doctor. And but it's when she sees that glowing, and I think they've got the little kind of face. the yeah. hum of the police box. Yeah. Like I love that scene in *An Earthly Child* where like Ian is touching it, and you mm. can hear the hum. Yeah, it's alive, or it feels like it's alive. That kind of thing. Like I like I love that kind of. Thing. But I love just the idea of the magic doorway that you know right. I think I think a lot more people would be inclined to travel <laughs> to expand their horizons to really talk to other people if it was as easy as uh, I suppose Philip Larkin said uh, the poet he said he'd love to go to China and see the place so long as he could be back in his own bed that day yeah perfect so what should it be Enterprise A or TARDIS what should we put in I think the most meaningful symbol for me is that is the glimpse of the Enterprise A okay. filming model through Fantastic. the windows of the city. I'm going to have to try. I'm going to have to try and find a picture of the glimpse of the Enterprise A yeah. to put it on the website. We'll put the Enterprise A in. Yeah, perfect. So I don't know. It just seems like it's the most. I don't know, but it also symbolises that kind of 
I guess that 80s aesthetic yeah. that I think that's where my fandom lies also, that late 80s the Enterprise A is one of the only ones that wasn't blown up it was just decommissioned yes yeah 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 so yes it was yeah so was it do it well that's where I, I haven't looked into the, the abyss of fandom <laughs> for that but it was just decommissioned it, yeah, it was yeah. I think the B and the A are the only ones that were like decommissioned yes so, or, or did it? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, well, we, so where are we on? Enterprise?